This is A Geek History of Time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. I'm Ed Blaylock. I'm a 43-year-old father and history teacher. Uh, and I have been playing role-playing games since I was nine years old. Started with uh, AD&D, first edition. Uh, and I've been a geek longer than that. I was raised on not only Star Wars, as I mentioned last episode, but The Lord of the Rings. Uh, one of my earliest literary memories of genre fiction is the, uh, I want to say the Del, Del Rey uh, edition of The Lord of the Rings with what is referred to as the hippie cover. <laughs> uh, that was actually owned by my very much not hippie naval aviator father. Uh, how about you? I am Damien Harmony. I am a Latin teacher, formerly a history teacher. Uh, I am a father. I'm 40 years old. Uh, single dad, uh, raising two geeks to decency and maturity as best I possibly can, in that order as needs be. Um, maturity I, is overrated. Well, indeed. Uh, I teach uh, at the high school level. I teach Latin pretty much the entire time. Uh, and I have been a geek for uh, longer than I knew that word was a good thing. Uh, so I grew up on Saturday morning cartoons. I grew up on after school cartoons. Uh, there are some I don't even remember the names of, but they were really neat, including one which I don't remember, but I had the toys and there were these little magnetic guys that sat on top of these little magnetic things and they were vehicles with outsized wheels. Oh, and I, know the one, I know the one you're talking about, and, and got, it was like, incredibly yeah, short-lived. Very. And yeah. what I remember about the cartoon of that was that uh, there was a character who nobody liked. He was kind of like the yeah. Eric of the D&D yeah. cartoon. Yeah. And he was making jokes about these cat people that they had met about how they lived in the catacombs and how it would be a catastrophe. Oh, great. And so that, that's, that's where you get it from. That was not where I got it from. Oh, in first okay. grade, we had a, uh, a fill-in the speech bubbles. Oh, okay. And it was a bird talking to a hole in the ground, and then a bird talking to a hole in the ground, and then a, a bird talking to a hole in the ground, and the very last one, it was a worm popping up with a coat of armor on, like the plume nice. and all that. And I remember writing, bird, come out and play. It's really nice. Bird, it's really fun out here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, or, and the bird saying this and then uh, telling the worm, oh, my goodness, get out here and fight for your people. It's like Worm War One out here. And the very next thing, the worm nice. pops up and the worm's response is, where are they? I'll kill those Nazis. N-O-T-S-E-Y-E-S. That was first grade. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So... so that's my geek cred. Holy moly. <laughs> uh, lately, I've been reading a few books. I'm reading one again in preparation for another podcast that we're going to be doing uh, called Ringside. Uh, it's a history of professional wrestling by Scott M. Beekman. Um, it is uh, right up there as far as I'm concerned with a few other books, and I'll probably recommend them later. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's right up there with a few other books that taught me a lot about American culture and sectionalism. Okay. What are you reading? <laughs> Um, uh, well, right now I'm reading an awful lot to prepare for uh, teaching uh, mm. this year because my district has, has gone back to school and we're, we're uh, back at it. Um, <clears throat> but outside of that, um, I'm still working my way through uh, Honor in the Dust, 
about America's occupation of the Philippines. Uh, very well worth reading. Highly By the time you're done reading it, it will be the mash of, of the yes. Philippine conflict. Yes, actually, you will have yes. Read it for where, where the, book, the book will be longer than the actual, the time I was reading the book will be longer <laughs> than the actual conflict. Dad life, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what games are you playing? I, well, um, not, not many right now. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, on hiatus uh, at the moment from our 5th edition game. Um, I'm also we kind of... We've seen for you. Just yeah, so you I'm know. glad to know. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I'm still, I'm also at the moment on hiatus from the 1st edition AD&D game mm. uh, that I'm playing with a different group of friends uh, in which I'm playing a very mercenary, uh, chaotic good, uh, Elven Cavalier, which uh, is very different from my usual yes. uh, kind of take on... on playing, playing Captain things. America. Yeah, in well, you know, in, in every various <laughs> kind of permutation I can think of. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the upcoming release of the newest, as I've mentioned, the newest Battletech, uh, mm-hmm. box set. Yeah. Um, cause that, that hits a lot of nostalgia buttons for oh, me. Oh, absolutely. So. And I was thinking about buying my own and just kind of building a Mad Cat set, if you will. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 I uh, the only game that I'm playing. I mean, I'm still playing our D and D game. which yeah. we missed you. I'm um, yeah. still playing my game with my kids, uh, which is mm-hmm. a lot of fun. We'll probably play another one this weekend. Cool. Um, but uh, lately, I've been playing a handheld game, a portable game, a, okay. a, a phone game. Okay. Um, there's two that I normally play, but one that my kids are really into that I'm playing a lot lately, and I I screen mirror it up to the TV now. Oh, nice. Um, and it is called uh, oh. I don't remember what it's called. It's Marvel Champions, I want to say. That sounds um, familiar. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's Marvel Champions. It's a fighting game. It's it's very basic fighting game, and, mm. and I've started getting characters that are actually kind of fun to play. So okay, it's, awesome. it's been a lot of fun. That yeah, makes those more fun. So, well, uh, this uh, this leads me to asking you, Ed, uh, do you like apps? I do. You like apps on your phone? I really do. I have a lot of them there. Yeah. Yeah. How many of and them do you think you, know you what? use? Like actually use right yeah like a half a dozen. Oh, okay. I have I don't even know how many on there. Yeah. And you know what? I'm happy having bought the ones that I don't even use mm. because I'm a collector like that, and they look pretty on my phone there you screen. Go. And if you have an app that you want somebody to shill, we will shill it for you. If it's a good app, I mean, you know, it is something that I would have to believe in or at least enjoy. But we'll shill the hell out of You know, out if it's a you passable know. app, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, cool. I, I don't, I mean, we'll if, shill it better if we believe in it, yes. but, you know, if you're looking for somebody to, you know, give you, I don't this wouldn't be screen time, but pod time, yeah. you know, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll give it a shot, and if yeah. it's not absolute crap, we'll, we'll, we'll shill it. We'll shill it. And honestly, if you want, if you out there listening, both of you, uh, if either of you want to make a uh, uh, an app that deals with like I don't know, say a database for uh, Roman and Greek mythology. Oh, there you I go. I would show the hell out of that. Oh, that yeah. would be wonderful. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you want to develop an app that has to do with uh, you know uh, any kind of training having to do with uh, sword fighting, historical or European martial arts, you yes. know, anything related to that, I will sell the daylights out of that. Yeah. Um, you because know. we like that. Yeah. You know what else I like? Yeah. I like food. And, food is good. And if you're like one of those companies that sends people food, I would shill that. I'd shill the hell out of that. I, I like eating food. You know, so. y'all can't see me on here, but I'm a fat guy. I just <laughs> want to point out I am I am a target audience for you if you if you are looking to sell any kind of food. People people who know me 
will hear me will hear me shilling food, and they'll say, you know what, Ed eats that. Ed likes his food. That's got to be pretty good stuff. There you go. So this would be the part where we would have ads. Yeah. So now that we're back from the ads, uh, yes. last week you were telling yeah. me uh, about essentially the welfare state and its lead up to the 1970s. Yeah, uh, into and, the into the late 70s. Yes. Very specifically. Uh, and and uh, I, I think we should probably pick up from there. We should. Um, because uh, you were going to tie it all together. You even mentioned yeah. miniatures. Yes. Uh, a little bit. And, yeah. And uh, I think we should probably just pick it up from there. So, Let's do that. All right. Well, take it away. All right. Okay, so um, when last we left our intrepid welfare state, um, <laughs> so there had been a spike in inflation, right? And the agreement that unions had made with the Labor Party to hold off on wage increases over five percent, uh, the Labor Party said, "You know what? We need to extend that agreement." And the Labor Party said, "Right, what, mate? I don't think so." And in the winter of 78 and 79, there were massive strikes all across the British economy. Mm -hmm. It is referred to nowadays, historically, as the winter of discontent in one of those times when... So British. Yes. When, well, when, so historians, British. when historians, and especially British historians, yeah. want to get cute. <laughs> um, uh, and, and what happened was, uh, you know, truck drivers struck, uh -huh. uh, disrupting supply lines and actually causing fuel shortages. Um, and I would grave diggers, food shortages. Too. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it, food prices went up. There yeah. were, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Grave diggers in Liverpool and Thameside struck. Oh, wow. Who who were government employees? They were oh, public sector wow. employees. Grave diggers went on strike. Wow. NHS support staff. Uh huh. So hospital janitors, hospital, yeah. you know, we physical, just had, physical plant. We just people. had a strike here in Sacramento about yeah. that. Uh, my ex-wife's hospital. Yeah. They all went on general strike to support yeah. the support staff. Yes. Like, and, and yeah, NHS support staff struck and picketed wow. hospitals. Um, and uh, so, so this, these labor disruptions like kneecapped the, the whole economy. I would imagine. Like completely kneecapped it. Now, did they know that that was going to happen when they struck? They, you know, I don't know. Okay. The, I, I wasn't, I, you know, being a, being a new dad and having all that going on, sure, going sure. back to school and all that, um, I can make all kinds of excuses. But the, the, the research that I was able to do, I wasn't really able to dig into mm -hmm. the, the mindset of the union leaders before they did this. Okay. What I was able to find out was, so, you know, the government had been saying we need to keep raises below 5%. Right. Some of the raises that that company private companies actually wound up giving to their unionized workers mm -hmm. in the face of the government saying if you give higher wages we're going to sanction you. Okay. So the government was strong arming employers not to do this. Uh, like uh, British Ford, Ford in in the UK. Sure, sure. Uh, their workers went on a, a strike and okay. they got something like a sixteen percent raise. Okay, just so, teachers, so I mean, we're I talking wanna, about we're I, talking about big numbers. Yeah. As teachers, you look at that and you're like, wait, 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 time out. How much? Yeah. So, we gotta we gotta like pick up signs and and start making like you know what we want to march, man, yeah. to get like four. Yeah. Like like four percent, three percent is oh, where we gotta do district, that to get the two and a half percent yeah, they agreed to, to before. Before, yeah, no, I know. You know, yeah. you yeah. know, I gotta I gotta start, you know, going around my campus because by the way, both of us are union reps if you hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> uh, I gotta start going around my campus wearing orange, which is our unit Your union you know, color. color. 
I got to go around campus wearing orange uh, and, and you know, acting like a partisan whip in Congress to get people to be like, okay, look, we're showing up contract time. We're leaving contract time. Don't be in here early. Don't be in here late. Or you're wow. a fucking scab. I got to start talking that way wow. when we're when we're looking for our district. Yeah, to, to, to yeah. stick to what they promised us earlier. And, right. you know, and, and so like a 16% increase That's is... amazing. Yeah. Well, like, you know, keep in mind that just a few years before, inflation had been up in the 17, 18%. So, so it really these, is these, Yeah. These, these wages okay. were, these sound like huge raises, but in some cases they were to catch up with inflation that had been going on previously. Now, I want to delve into language just yeah. for a bit there. Yeah. Because, again, as a good union boy... Yeah. Um, when people hear about a 16% wage increase, they freak out. When they hear yeah. about a 16% salary adjustment, they don't. Yeah. Salary adjustments are for the rich, and the numbers get so big that you yeah. can't tell. Yeah, that is wage funny. increase, you think, oh my god, my neighbor can suddenly make you know their mortgage. Um, but uh, but at the same time, like when you hear a 16% raise, you're like, oh my goodness, that's almost a fifth of their income increase yeah but what you don't think about is that increase in inflation like yeah. we we my union just got uh, essentially over the course of a, a two or three year deal um about a 10.5 percent increase yeah but what and a lot of people are like oh my god that's enormous and i'm sitting there thinking well it's not because you know when you take into account all of the, the other fact that economic we, the last time we had one was a 0.75 percent increase for one year only bonus over 12 years ago. Jiminy Cricket. So, you know, but people don't remember yeah. how long you've been yeah, serving. Well, you they know, just nobody, see how nobody, full your belly is now. Yeah, nobody nobody so. has that kind of political memory. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, but but so there were these there were strikes all across the economy. Mm. Uh, and and it, ca- it caused a lot of suffering for everybody. Oh, I, I mean, everybody wound up hurting. And uh, the UK's economy, again, got kneecapped as a result of this. And now we see Thatcherism because um, (laughs) part of the political calculations that um, Callahan had made was he had actually held off on holding a general election. There had been one scheduled Uh for, I want to say it was 78. Okay, and you can do this in a parliamentary system. Yeah, you can you do can this in a parliamentary system. Time. You can you can figure when you're going to you can call for election at a certain time. You can kind of sure. put, there's there's a limit on how far you can put them off, but you can put them off a little bit. And Callahan was of the Labor Callahan Party. Callahan was of the Labor Party okay. and he had said, "Okay, look, uh, we're going to extend this agreement. We're going to try to extend this agreement and then um, we're, you know, when when the economy has has stabilized further and this inflation spike is gone, then we're going to hold elections, and that way we'll be able to hold on to our majority. And then the winter of discontent happened. Ooh, bad timing for him. Oh, yeah, and so in '79, the general election in '79 led to the Conservative Party winning. I don't know if a landslide is the right way to describe it, but they won a, a significant majority in Parliament because people were pissed off. Mm-hmm. And not only did they do that, but Thatcher then came in and, you know, we spent the whole last episode talking about the post-war consensus, right? Mm-hmm. And it had been this this tacit agreement right. between the two parties that, you know, the welfare state is what we're going to do and we're going to have this nationalization of these sectors of the economy and we're going to have right. strong unions and we're going to do all this stuff. And Thatcher showed up and said, uh, no, no, fuck that. <laughs> uh, Thatcherism repudiated the consensus almost completely about the only thing 
in the welfare state that Thatcherism looked at and went, yeah, okay, we can hold on to that, mm-hmm. was, interestingly, the National Health Service. She said to the British people, the NHS oh. is safe in our hands. Otherwise, no, no, we're cutting way back on government spending. We're not Keynesians anymore. We're not doing any of that crap. Uh, we're privatizing everything we can get away with. Privatizing. Really? Yes. Uh, British Steel. Oh, wow. Had been nationalized in 40, I don't remember what. Um, and uh, it it had been it, it had been privatized and then re-nationalized and right. it was one of the things that Thatcher started going after to re-privatize didn't wow. wind up happening it is still nationalized okay but that was one of her targets sure um, so simultaneously mm-hmm. so first off it was this overt okay look this whole welfare state thing has caused stagnation in our economy mm-hmm. it's caused all these you know pointed out all the stuff that was wrong mm-hmm. with it. And simultaneously, it's very interesting that in our last episode, you had yeah. talked about make Britain great again. Yes. Uh, simultaneously, Thatcherism was very strongly nationalistic in a way that Britons had not seen in a mainstream <laughs> kind of, uh, of way in over a generation. This makes me tired. Yeah. One this of, makes me tired. I am one, so... of my earliest, one of my earliest oh. impressions, i got to share this, one of my <laughs> earliest impressions of Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. right, as a six-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, is remembering seeing a picture of her as this immaculately coiffed hair, mm-hmm. immaculate suit, you know, pants suit, right. uh, standing, uh, standing up in the commander's cupola of, I want to say, a Challenger main battle tank. Okay. Okay, and all the flag waving and all the stuff that we mostly associate with us here on our side of the pond, which like to us is baseline American nationalism, America, fuck yeah, 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 yeah. which like Europeans look at us and like even when we're not in a phase of hyper nationalism, right? Europeans are like uncomfortable with us having our flag everywhere all the time. Well, because every time European flags were everywhere, it's, cause it's they were because they were invading each other. They were fighting over yeah. something, yeah, <laughs> and and so and so our constant kind of oorah nationalism, like that's just kind of our culture, yeah. Even when we're not in a rightist phase of our of our political cycle, you know, is is something that they're uncomfortable with. And sure. this this was Britain being roughly at baseline American oorah flag waving, and you know, you see this mm-hmm. combined with the assault on the uh, welfare state and a concerted effort to break unions. Specifically, in 84 and 85, there was a coal miners' strike. Coal miners were a, again, it was a nationalized industry. Right. And the coal miners went on strike, and the government made a concerted effort to break the strike, and they succeeded. Wow. The, the power, and from that point on... That's the, your template. That, that was the point at which unions in Great Britain saw their, the beginning of their decline in political cachet power etc because the government was saying look whatever we got to do to break you we're going to break you and we're going to sell the story to the people that makes us look like the good guys and you look like greedy you know plebeians you know and so at the so you've got which by the way let me just back you up a little bit this side of the pond we had the, the 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 faa strike yeah and reagan Broke that strike. Yes, and, yep. and so you, you. This this is not this is not happening in a vacuum. This this no. movement toward conservatism in the governments is 
is uh, it's in, a worldwide or, it or is. A, a west certainly a, a Western democracy's response to right the economic shocks and the uncertainty. And honestly, it's in some ways um, us doing to ourselves what the U.S. had done to South America. Like you see a lot of trial balloons going up in South America. Okay. The nationalization of the copper industry yeah. uh, then goes in Chile. Then leads yeah. to uh, Pinochet, yeah, um, and and then you see it. I mean, you see it literally ABC, Argentina, yeah. Brazil, and, and Chile, yeah, um, and all supported by uh, the American government, yeah, um, to the point where Kissinger even has a uh, telegram where he says, "I don't see why the the government of Chile should go communist." Because that was the big buzzword anytime anybody nationalizes mm-hmm. them, they shouldn't yeah. go communist just because the people elected those leaders. Um, <laughs> Which is quite something. Yeah, there's, um, there's, there's... But so you a... see that happening in the 70s. Yeah. And then... Early 70s. Yeah. And then by the late 70s, the chickens in some ways have come home to roost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in you have way. this huge privatization, this huge conservatism, yeah. a, a giant restriction. Yeah. Uh, and and, and so there's, there's this economic conservatism, there's yes. this assault on the welfare state, and at the same time, Thatcherism was also... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, deeply socially conservative, it went to this mm. very Victorian kind of oh, morality. Of course, and it denigrated one of one of her ministers. I don't have it in front of me in my notes. Uh, specifically talked about denigrating a permissive society oh. that had allowed all of these that had created. You know, they had a high crime rate, they had a weak economy, and it was this permissive society where you know art isn't really art. And being filthy is seen as the same as being clean. I mean, these, these are, this uh, is paraphrasing right. a statement he made. Uh, in 1984, uh. Uh, which of course is you know the height of VHS culture, cheap horror movies being made and distributed, yeah. you know, direct video, that kind of thing. In the UK, the, a lot of those really, really gory, violent, stupid, bad, let's just say, yeah. like low quality you know, films were labeled as video nasties. And wow. there, there was a scare over the social effects of these, you know, terrifying videos that, like, you know, you go, your kid can just go into the store and rent right. and put in the VCR after you've gone to bed, and God knows what it's doing to their brain. <laughs> and we've got to protect little Tommy, and they had a scare, and the government actually enacted. Wow. Laws wow. restricting the sale, rental, you know, manufacture, distribution of this particular category of film. Wow! So that's censorship. Yeah. And then uh, Wait, the cons- and this was in nineteen. This is eighty four. Just pointing out nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Any anytime anything <laughs> happens that year, we got to point that out because yeah. you know Orwell was no dummy. Uh, and then uh, the. Um, the, the conservative government, now that they're in power, mm-hmm. prior to becoming prime minister, this is an interesting note, uh, Thatcher had been uh, generally moderate okay. in terms of, uh, particularly in terms of rights for uh, gays. Homosexuals. Okay. She she had voted in favor of eliminating. I was ask about this, and, and she had been in favor of eliminating legislation that had made sodomy illegal mm-hmm. and these kinds of things. Once she comes into power and the conservatives are running things, and mm-hmm. she is now the head of this movement that includes people who are socially even more conservative than she is. Suddenly, they pass what's called Section Twenty Eight, uh. which 
puts more restrictions back on homosexuality. People who are homosexual having particular government positions, you know, defines now, homosexuality as an illness. These question, these kinds of issues come question up Question about this. Yeah. In the NHS, <coughs> uh, it, it, it's their health system. Um, AIDS is starting to show up. Yes. I have not been able to do the research to okay. give you a good answer about okay. what their response was. Okay. My gut feeling mm-hmm. is that if you research it, what you're going to find out is it's very similar to Reagan's response, of which is it. it's a bunch of gay men having this disease. Gay cancer. Gay cancer. Yeah. yeah. There was even a uh, reporter who was asking Reagan's um, press secretary yeah. about, uh, are you going to do anything about this? And the response from the guy was, why are you so concerned there, Bill? And everybody started laughing. At this reporter yeah. asking about people dying, yeah, and insinuating well, because that he was obviously gay. you must be gay, right? And yeah. and that was their way oh. of dealing with it until yeah. Rock Hudson shows up with AIDS, and then you know how, then all how of very Reagan ask, yeah, oh yeah. But I, you know, Diane Feinstein, uh, the uh, mm-hmm. former mayor of San Francisco, yeah, uh, cracked down and and actually stopped a thing in San Francisco, a a a bill that, if I recall would have enabled civil partnerships, mm-hmm. domestic partnerships, yeah. to get benefits if you were a, a a city worker. And think about how many people would have gotten treatment for AIDS. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's it's so yeah. It's it's gross. Horrible. Yeah. So also so, yeah. going again with this with this social conservative uh, kind of kind of trend that I'm talking about Thatcher uh, gave a speech uh, at a uh, Presbyterian cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the date written down, but it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mound, uh, where she was she was expounding on basically the tenets of Thatcherism, and since it was in a religious setting, she used bits from Scripture, wow. and she quoted Saint Paul. I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is a passage in St. Paul where St. Paul says, if a man does not work, he shall not eat. Just like and Jesus I just wanted. want to interject, <laughs> as, as the believer in the pair of us, and as a Catholic particularly, uh, my emotional relationship to Paul is fraught to begin with. It's, it's complicated, because on the one hand, he's the guy who said, you don't have to be Jewish to be a follower of Christ, so... I kind of owe him that. On the other hand, <laughs> he 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 said a lot of things that you know you got to be really careful about the context you use when when you're trying to talk about them in the context of Christianity. And um, Thatcher quoted Paul out of context, which right. you know is is a thing you know politicians always do right when they want to make a point. The Bible means what they think. Yeah, the, the Bible. Well, the Bible means whatever they need it to think. Right. You know. Or whatever they need it to say, and and so, you know, there is this, you know, very very specific stripe of very strict. I'm gonna call it Calvinist because that's my sure. take on it. Morality involved, and so overall, with all of these parts taken into account, this was a dramatic whiplash mm-hmm. to the right. This this wasn't just a a you know okay well the conservatives are in power. This was a very sudden shocking lurch yeah. yeah you know away from what everybody had understood and 
you know, uh, we got the social uptightness, nationalist militarist sentiment, efforts to weaken unions, and this all starts with this sharp political turn. And now we got to talk about the guys back at Games Workshop. Okay. Because, um, you know, they, they had started out making these little metal miniatures under, under the Citadel imprint, and they'd been, you know, making elves and orcs and all this stuff. Sure. And sculptors being, like I said before, creative types, they played around, and they just kind of did these one-off little space elves and space orcs and all this stuff. Sure. So in um, 83, uh, they created their own mm-hmm. tabletop war game to use citadel miniatures with and it was it was a fantasy game warhammer fantasy battle created in 1983 and it was it was literally hey look what are the models you've got in your cabinet and you don't want to play a dungeons and dragons game you just want to throw these models against your friends models and you know throw fireballs and have a fight so kind of a return a return very much yeah very much a return from role-playing to to wargaming and warhammer fantasy battle was a big enough success that in 87, they went to one of their employees, one of their writers, a guy named Rick Priestley, and they said, so all those little one-off little space elves and space orcs and, you know, space marines, guys that we, that we <laughs> created, uh, those are pretty cool. People like those. Create a science fiction version of this game for us. And so in 1987, Rick Priestley, or in 86, Rick Priestley sat down mm-hmm. and wrote, and then in 87 published... Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Trader. And it was like nothing else that was out there on the market at the time, especially here in the States. When it uh-huh. made it to the States, th- this is kind of what I what, what I want to get into talking about, about this, is um, at this time in the United States, by the time it got over here, we had Battletech, which it was a tabletop game okay. that involved giant robots fighting with each other, and I'm going to talk about it in more detail another time. And it was a science fiction tabletop war game. Okay. But it 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 was it was much more traditionally science fiction in in that it had this it, it, it took place in a technological dark age, many couple of thousand years in the future, but it was still kind of recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the it brought tech- elements of our society forward. Yes, okay. and and the technology that was presented still looked sharp and high tech. It wasn't it was, as abstract. Well, I, I don't know if abstract is the right word. What I'm trying to say is it was more traditional American zoomy sci-fi. Okay, you know ray guns and sure. you know that kind of stuff. Warhammer Forty Thousand. If you look at the cover of the book, I have uh-huh. I have a a first edition printing of it right here. May I describe it as someone who's never played the game? Yeah, yeah, okay. please. So what I'm looking at here is a title at the top, uh, two different fonts. It would appear. Yeah. Um, and now I'm looking at the image, and a lot of the colors are very similar. It's a lot of blue. Yeah. A lot of blues and yellows. I'm I'm a big fan of colors. You got blue, yellow, and you got red. So you got your primaries there. Yeah. Um, that would make me believe that we're looking at good guys, because uh, primary colors as tend much to as be... anybody in Warhammer Forty Thousand is a good guy. We'll okay. get into that. Yes. Okay. Uh, but there's also blood being shed. There's yeah. actually somebody with his neck being sprayed open. There's a guy with a bandage that's leaking. There's another yeah. guy 
And you have human heads, uh, all with looks of disconsternation at the very best. Uh, yeah. Some of looks of Anger, pain. frustration, pain. Um, there are also flags. Uh, yes, well, banners. And yeah, there's a banner of a fist, a yeah. red mailed fist. Yes, they are the Crimson Fists chapter okay. of the Imperial Space Marine. Which would make sense because all of their hands, now that I look, have red. Yeah. Uh, even the guy who's being splayed open, his hand is bandaged and bloody red. They all have guns. Um, Big guns. Huge guns with Big, large clunky, magazines. Big, heavy-looking guns. Yeah. yeah, and they're all wearing... Um, wow, it, it kind of... Their 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 uh, helmets remind me of a little bit of the cartoon The Wizards. Yes, actually. You know, it, it has that kind I, of wasp I hadn't, I hadn't ever actually thought of that previously. That's a very good comparison, yeah. yes. And so, and uh, huge shoulder pauldrons, uh, lots yes. of lots of heraldry. Yeah. Um, and uh, it looks like this fellow in the center is holding up as a club the head of an orc. Yes. Uh, which has been disembodied. Um, yeah. And yeah, and that's that's what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Um, so it's it's that's a good summary. It's carnage. It's fucking yes. carnage. And, yeah. Oh, it goes over to the other side. Yeah. And there's a wasteland on the other side with yeah. with people who are dead. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's bleak as hell. And in red words, it says the first thing that catches my eyes: there is no time for peace, no respite, no forgiveness. There is only war. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. not optimistic. That's no, not, that's not Doctor no, Who. No, it's not Doctor. Who. Thank you. That's not. Yes. A, that's that V for was, Vendetta. Yeah, it is. Which and, is and came out at the same time. It's in. It's in the same generation as yeah. V for Vendetta, and very importantly, mm-hmm. it's in the same generation of media as Judge Dredd. Ooh, okay. The, oh, yeah, the, like the, the same design. Now yeah, I never 2000, watched Judge Dredd. Okay, so. well, okay. I'm talking about the comic. Okay, the original, the original Please. comic book, 2000 AD. Okay. Um, in which Judge Dredd was exists, created. Yeah. And so what you are looking at here mm-hmm. are, as I said, the Crimson Fists chapter of the Imperial Space Marines. Sure. And their story is described in the scenario for the game that that came in the original book. Okay. And they are the last survivors of their legion, which was destroyed by a freak accident that may not have been an accident. Somebody may have been out to get them. It might have been a conspiracy. Oh, wow. And they are having to fight their way through an orcish horde, space orcish horde, orcish spelled with a K, very important. Okay. Um, to, to try to get to reinforcement and support. And they are the ragtag survivors, the last remaining mm-hmm. carriers of the Legion's genetic heritage. And it's all in this because they're genetically modified super soldiers. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> Need to understand that. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's... Uh, and and so they're all in powered armor, right? And and what the the artwork on this, mm-hmm. um, in a, in a broad sense, if you look at this and you look at like a Judas Priest album cover, yeah, it's the same kind of hyper violence, the same kind of. Uh, this is Revelation. Know, yeah. Yes. That's what. This yes. Is. Yes. Yeah. The book of. Yeah. The book of Revelation. Yeah. It is. It is Megiddo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the thing is, Priestley wrote this, this, and created, you know, worked with the artists to create this very specific, very gothic, mm-hmm. very uh, dark, and simultaneously kind of eldritch mm-hmm. um, space fantasy, grim. Mm-hmm. Kind of aesthetic yeah. for for the whole universe for for the whole game, and I want to read the frontispiece sure. to it because you know you you read what has become the motto: "There is no time for peace, 
there is only war. But I want to read uh, this. Uh, to be a man in such times is to be one amongst untold billions. It is to live in the cruelest and the most bloody regime imaginable. This is the tale of these times. It is a universe you can live today if you dare, for this is a dark and terrible era where you will find little comfort or hope. If you want to take part in the adventure, then prepare yourself now. Forget the power of technology, science, and common humanity. Forget the promise of progress and understanding. For there is no peace amongst the stars, only an eternity of carnage and slaughter and the laughter of thirsting gods. But the universe is a big place, and whatever happens, you will not be missed. So there's a couple reactions I've got going on okay. right there. So number one, uh, it's very much blood imagery that I remember reading in Hitler's stuff. Okay, so yeah. There's, there's that going on. But also, knowing the history, yeah, this is something that's written to be accessed by multiples. Yeah. So it's done by creatives. Creatives tend to be on the left yeah. because the last creatives that were on the right were futurists and they all died in World War I. Yeah. Uh, gave birth to fascism. But it's written in such a way that I could absolutely see the... The gritty unionist who mm -hmm. feels like they're under attack, finding sympathy with this mm -hmm. and escaping with this. Yep. And in some ways playing out the trauma that's being done to them. Okay. I could also see the racists yeah. uh, and nationalists who feel like they're the ones that are under attack. Mm -hmm. And so this is playing to both. Yeah, and well, especially since there's no there's no morality, there's no yeah, good guy. Yeah, it's all blurred. It's all yeah. grit. Everybody could see themselves in this yeah. role. Yeah. Well, yes, you're right. Now, what's important to point out here mm -hmm. is if you go into the supporting material, into sure. the stuff that got published in White Dwarf to mm -hmm. support the game, if you get into materials that came out afterward, what you very quickly figure out is Priestley. Is, is simultaneously doing this seriously and doing this as a parody. This is uh -huh. so bleak and so dark that it's like, no, seriously, this, guys, th this, is, this is the worst kind of gallows humor imaginable. Okay. That's, this, is, this is completely over the top. Because okay. remember, this is also the time when we've got post-apocalypse fiction and, and movies yeah. of, you know, after the bomb and all this kind of stuff. Sure. And those are all dark and depressing and horrible. And part of what Priestley did was he said, well, okay, you know what? Let's take that and crank that up to 11. <laughs> you know, and, and, and take sure. the piss out of it. You right. know? Because it, it is it is so dark and so grim that it's a joke. There there is a, a very strong element of parody okay. in this at the same time. And and my reaction to it uh -huh. is holy cow, man, this is this is not like anything I've seen before. And then you sure. read a little bit further and you're like, Oh, 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 okay, I get it. Oh man. Okay. Wow, these these Brits have a bleak sense of humor. Like you know, it so it's mind blowing. It's it's yeah. weird. It's weird. Like it's not just you know sci-fi. You know, gleaming shiny metal and plastic stuff. I mean, there's right. there's ash and and like grime. And right. you know, Star Wars was a used future. This isn't just a used future. This is like no, 
This suit of this suit of powered armor has been worn by five different guys over the last two hundred years. Uh-huh. You know, and and the oil stains are a sacred part of its character, and you're not allowed to wash them off. Oh wow, kind of grimy. Okay. You know, so so this is this is a a technological dark age that is like a dark ages mentality. It's not just. Yeah. You know, we've forgotten how to do these things. It's no, we have we have the mentality of Gothic barbarians who are trying to maintain Roman infrastructure. Wow. You know, we we, okay. we we do this this way not because we understand this is how it works, but this is how we got taught to do it, and it's a religious ritual. Sure. Okay. Um and and so the game is simultaneously um really big and mm-hmm. the universe is really immense, and at the same time it's really dinky. <laughs> yeah, because and it's, and it's you're, really small. You're fighting company versus company battles, or like at this squad level, at this level, it was squad versus squad, or maybe right. platoon versus platoon. And and you know the the Imperium, the setting in which all of this takes place, is this kind of dark parody echo of what people heard about the British Empire. The Imperium of Man is so vast mm-hmm. that entire subsectors. Uh-huh. Of, of multiple star systems, which sure. will have populations in the trillions, get lost bureaucratically for a century at a time. Until some bureaucrat goes, hey, wait a minute, we haven't gotten their tithe, mm-hmm. which, by the way, isn't paid in money. It's paid in soldiers to the Imperial Army. We haven't received that in How a century. Very British. <laughs> uh, yeah. We haven't received that in two centuries. Sure. So now... Uh, we're going to send an explorator fleet to go see what's going on. And they might find out that, well, you know, we've been isolated by a warp storm for this period of time. Right. And, you know, we're just waiting till we can get out. In which case, an inquisitor will have to talk to them about why didn't you work harder? <laughs> uh, or they might find out well, that the planet... Well, if you don't work hard, you don't eat. Well, yeah. Yes. Thank you, St. Paul. And so, or, or they might get there and find out that, you know, the whole planet has been eaten by space vampires. Sure. You know, or overrun by space orcs. I want to point out, space orcs are football hooligans. All of the literature, really? all of the stuff that you read about space orcs, uh-huh. it's written in a phonetic Cockney hooligan oh, wow. accent. Okay. Orc soldiers are boys. B-O-Y-Z. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, for those of us that head, don't know, like me, what are B-O-Y-Z? Boys. It's just what like like they? the term like the term that gets used. Mm-hmm. To, to by by one lad to talk about his buddies in in oh, okay. his football club or what have you still hooligans yeah they're okay. they're yeah and um the the primary combat weapon like mm-hmm. close combat weapon that gets used by just about everybody is literally a chain sword with a or a, a chain saw with a sword grip it's a chain sword that is like okay. so this is just how over the top this is yeah okay. Um, just everything is dialed up to 11. The emperor ruling over humanity from Holy Terra is literally a corpse. Who, who, he is a psychic battery. Kept alive by the sacrifice of a thousand psychics a day who get fed into the machinery that keeps him maybe sort of alive, but nobody's spoken to him in 10,000 years. And so we don't really know how dead he is and how alive he is and what's going on there. Um, soldiers, <laughs> soldiers in this setting get uh-huh. like directly recruited from 
gangs in these impossibly overcrowded hive cities sure. on planets, and just like a whole gang just gets recruited en masse, and okay, you're now let's, the let's 99th whatever from somewhere. Rewind back just okay. a second to British culture and, yeah. and society at the time. So uh, they had made a million housing units yeah. in the 50s yes. and missed their target. Yeah. Which means there is a, an increasing demand for this thing. Yeah. Uh, which means that you've got a lot of... And by the way, their empires were ending. So yeah. I would imagine you've got migration of the upper classes from those places. Somewhat. Yeah. There was already a lot of stratification in, okay. in where folks lived. Um, so that, like, you know, what, what we have here in the United States, white flight, you know, out, right. of, out of urban areas into the suburbs, is okay. not... As much of a thing okay. in Britain, uh, what they had more of was an influx of immigrants from the West Indies, mm. um, and I'm trying. Windrush was what it was referred to. the The Windrush uh, okay. Act had allowed a bunch of uh, subjects, uh-huh. imperial citizens from sure. the West Indies, to then come into England, leading to the, uh, the for the, it, it was the actually during movement. it was actually yeah. during the war. Uh-huh. Uh, for uh, factory labor, so industries, so yeah, lots so. of people living in small places. Yes. So this idea of crowding and living right on top of each other. So very London. Yeah, specific oh, or even very, Manchester, very man, Mancunian, Blackpool, very, yeah. very, you know. It, but but the idea of the the inner city, mm-hmm. you know, sprawl where you know everybody is living cheek to jowl with each other, then right. taken, then taken, like everything else in this setting, up to eleven, right. And now the Imperium that rules over all of these people is overtly mm-hmm. religio fascist. And you had Thatcher giving her speech in the Presbyterian Church. So Ed's pointing at me several times. Yes. Smiles on his face. Yes. So we have this this uh, Imperium that they've that they've created as their as their main setting in the game. That is, like I said, it's overtly religio fascist, and it's mm-hmm. in response to this whiplash. This this I mean, to everybody in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even even. I'm going to say even folks who voted for Thatcher. Sure. But especially to anybody who was even marginally left of center, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you'd seen, you know, 40 years of consensus between the right and the left in Britain. You know, the, the great consensus about, okay, these these are the things that we're all going to agree we're not going to mess with that right. you know, we were talking about. And it's just about how we get yeah, there. Yeah, it's just about sure. what, you know, kind of kind of you know degrees of degrees of shift and how what we're going to do and all that. And how much are we going to centrally control things? How much are we going to privatize things? And all of a sudden, Thatcher just comes in and says, um, yes, well, um, we're going to fuck all that off now. <laughs> and we're in charge. And, you know, this is the way we're going to run things. Now, real quick, let me interrupt. Is, is that because she's part of a group, ideologically, that seek power for its own sake? Palpatine-esque? Or... Is it because, or is there a decided shift it's, in conservatism? It's it's a decided. I think it's the, it's it's the very very leading edge of a decided shift in conservatism. What what precipitated that though? That's a meaningful question. I, I think um, different role playing game though. Yeah, well, yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, different 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 system going on. But I I think my own theory about it is that um, it was it was the the height of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. This is this is you know early eighties. Um, and this, this was the point at which 
the all all of the militarism that had been happening on both sides of the Cold War, I mm-hmm. mean, had had reached this crescendo. Mm-hmm. And while you and I don't remember, you know, uh, uh, duck and cover drills like our parents do. Right. We know was, them for was, earthquakes. We don't know yeah, them for well, yeah, the Reds. Because we live in California, for right. anybody who's not aware. But yeah. And, and you know, but, but while we didn't come up in the same feverish pitch of... Oh my God! The end of the world is going to be tomorrow. Uh-huh. We were coming up in this state, and this this was a period of time where I think, you know, this this is this is the time period where Threads gets mm-hmm. made. This is the time period where the day after gets made, mm. and the conversation about the Cold War right. had changed into one where it was just it was this looming elephant behind everything, and I think there might have been a certain kind of mental reaction within conservatism uh-huh. and this is just this is all me spitball sure sure but i i think i think there may have been it, it may have reached a point where it was you know what um we we need to we need we need to kind of poke the bear we we need to we need to not have this you know um have you ever seen the the movie the president's analyst no. From the 1960s. Oh, it's a great movie. Okay. But one of the things that winds up happening is basically the president's psychiatrist winds up, you know, getting kidnapped by Soviet agents. And there's this, it's a cape, it's a spy caper comedy sure. movie. And and one of the things that I remember from it that really stuck stuck with me was the, the Soviet agent who's basically trying to turn the president's analyst into an asset. Sure. Is saying, well, you know, look at it this way. You know, with every passing year... Your side drifts more to being like ours, and our side drifts more to being like yours. So by helping <laughs> us, all you're doing is just helping us achieve a happy middle, and you know we'll have peace. Wow, that's like that's like an inversion of the argument behind Neil Gaiman's Good Omens. Yeah, where they're like, oh, to keep the evil over here and to keep the good over here, can you take care of this possession while I'm out of town? Yeah, yeah, precisely. That- yeah, yeah. Um, do and you, do you think there's a level also of uh, this? The terror that was the Cold War was largely seen as a disaster, a yeah. scary goddamn disaster in the yeah. 40s and 50s. Yeah. Uh, one that heretofore had been unprecedented. But yeah. by the 80s, it is baked into the culture. And so it's almost like well, it's how, background noise. Yeah. And it becomes just part of the scenery. It's almost yeah. like how pencils used to be a technology and now we don't see them as such. Yeah. So do you think that's also so like I, I the think, edge kind of came off of the disaster and it's just like, oh, this is just the this thing. This is just the and way it is. We that just want to win that, now. Yeah, that could be a factor okay. as well. I, but, but I think there was there was a knee jerk response or mm-hmm. reaction by conservatives, uh-huh. reactionaries, as uh-huh. it were, you know, the, the, the harder line conservative types who sure. looked at the welfare state, who looked at all of this stuff that had been part of the consensus in Britain and that, you know, let's face it, with Medicare, mm-hmm. with social programs here in the United States, much more slowly, mm-hmm. our system was gradually, you know, at glacial speed, kind of moving in the same direction. They were both drifting you know, in this, in this, in this, toward what Bernie would call democratic socialism, uh-huh. and I think, like conservatives have done throughout history, there mm-hmm. were you know elements within conservatism that said no, not one step further, and we've got to tear this down and and back it up because we're losing our our ideological or political purity. You know, any okay. any drift any drift toward further socialism is a drift toward it's too far to go. It's, it's too far to go. Okay. And I, I certainly think there were people within Thatcher's mm-hmm. government 
who were motivated by a desire to, to gain and hold on to power. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there were business interests in, in Britain that were looking at privatization, salivating mm-hmm. as like, we're just going to make so much money hand over fist. You know, sure. I mean, there's always those elements, but I really, the sense that I get, and part mm-hmm. of this is probably because I grew up in a Reaganite household, but mm-hmm. the sense that I genuinely get, even now looking back, is that Thatcher and the Thatcherites mm-hmm. were genuinely looking at British identity, mm-hmm. which to their credit was a lot less racist than, you know, what the right is talking about British identity now today. Yes. I mean, it was still, there were baked in kind of racist and imperialist assumptions, but, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't, you know, England first, you know, like it is now. Okay. You know, it's, it, it's not the same kind of overt kind of, you know, if you're, if you're a windrush. Like it's, it's not, it's not as um, angry yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, now yeah, it's yeah, much yeah, now angrier. It, now it's much worse. angrier. It's much angrier. And it's much more overtly, if you are not a white... Anglo-Saxon or Norman, right? You know, English person. Then you know, sure. we, we, we want to kick you out. I'm just I'm just thinking about like uh, the the people from the West Indies and people from Pakistan and yeah. India who lived there would probably disagree with us on how well, racist think, it was back then. Oh yeah, no, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure they probably would, but I'm I'm talking about the political movement behind itself. Thatcherism okay. itself. The culture certainly was, right. I'm sure, you know, bad in that way. Uh, probably even more than it is today, even right? With but it's just now it's angrier. Right. Now it's now it's angrier. Now it's sure. more obvious on TV and all that kind sure. of stuff. But I, I think I think Thatcher mm-hmm. and and her true believers, I think they genuinely thought themselves colorblind, mm-hmm. and and their idea of a British identity was, you know, do you identify as a Briton? Uh-huh. And if you identify as a Briton, then these are the things that we want to do to protect that identity and it's and it's it's right. it's a it's it's reactionary and that we need to set the clock back but it's not reactionary to the extent that we have reactionary movements going on right now right well if, if all of them are, are setting the clock back too but it's like, yeah yeah to, but but to, yeah like, you know well and it's it's identity based now it, it, under thatcher it comes back to identity based instead of social cohesion based yes and it might be because it's identity based because social cohesion used to be based on a, a British identity kind of only, identity. like yeah. as an overlay. So, yeah. like they're like, well, we like that part. Uh, yeah. yeah, the rest of this, you know, but we like that part. Whatever, but yeah. So, okay, I, I yeah. can see that. Like, I, you know, and yeah, I, yeah, and I, and I genuinely, I mean, I genuinely think. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in review of what she said, mm-hmm. and and in review of you know the the context in which she said what she did, mm-hmm. I genuinely think. I mean, you know, I I like like I still think about Reagan I I genuinely think we can we can argue about how wrong Reagan was about any number of things mm-hmm. but what I miss about Reagan and the first Bush was that I genuinely think they were coming from a place of they genuinely believed that what they were doing was going to make the country better okay in in a way that I whether or don't not we think, think they're whether, yeah. Whether, whether yeah whether or not we think they, were misguided they actually or they succeeded were wrong. or they were yeah. misguided or whatever. Yeah. I, I think the place that it was coming from was okay. a place where they could look across the aisle at whoever the opposition was. Sure. And they could say, look, this is the way I think we're going to fix the country. Yeah. You know, whatever fix the country means. Right. We want to, we want to make the country better. And this is how we're going to do this it. This is my and, vision of and it. And we disagree on that. And let's talk about that. And, you know, we're going to play hardball politics. But, you okay. know. And, and I don't. I, I, I still don't think that that Thatcher was 
the kind of right-wing politician that we see, like in American politics right now. She wasn't where, what, where party yeah. loyalty matters more than anything else. Sure. And you know we're we're going to win, and whatever we got to do to win is that, justifiable because we're going to win. Right. That victory you know, is the only morality. Yeah, victory is the right. only morality, and getting one over on the libtards is like the ultimate goal of everything. I would set yeah. my own house on fire to make you choke on the smoke. I mean, that, right, right. That that whole mindset was not part of this movement. Sure. Okay. With that being said, the uh-huh. reaction from anybody who was even slightly left of center was like, oh my God, you're a goddamn Nazi. Because it was this kind of dramatic shift. Sure. And so anybody who had a satirical bone in their body was doing things like creating the Imperium of Man as this art project where, mm-hmm. you know, this this is this is what the future is. And then are you familiar with AD 2000 Judge Dredd? Yes. Okay. Yes. Dread predates 40K. Okay. It's one it is it is listed by the writers of the original edition of 40K as being a seminal influence. Okay. And it is, you know, Dread is judge, jury, and executioner. Right. He is he upholds the law above everything else. Order is paramount. There is no room for mercy in calculation of what the punishment is. You know, you, can't you are see found his guilty. Face. You can only hear yeah. his voice. Yeah. yeah, you are you are found guilty of fill in the blank. The punishment is death. Summary. Almost always, yeah. you know, summary execution. And and you know, they were they were writing this as, you know, look 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 at what these people are doing. <laughs> I know? love that like, we Oh have, my god, you know. I love that we have overblown satire isn't recognized as such when it comes out. Because some people, I mean, first off, what they're writing is a story that tickles the funny bone of some people. Like, you know, Conan the Barbarian was a badass movie. Oh, yeah. Also, it's, or or Predator is an even Mm. better example. Mm. What an amazing movie. And yes, I picked the same governor for both movies. Yeah. But what an amazing movie. At the same time, nobody got that it was satire on these overblown gun-worshipping movies. Everybody I mean, was just like, oh, okay, this is the next step. Yeah. Same thing with Robocop. Like, it's yeah. almost like it's, yeah. it's... Well, you know, Verhoeven has has, yeah. that, has that kind of... If you're talking, you're going to bring Verhoeven into the, uh-huh. into the conversation, you're kind of skewing things. But, <laughs> but at the same you know, time, like, yeah. I remember watching it, and like, so, like... You know, Verhoeven these... invokes Poe's laws, like, in every day, <laughs> like, every movie, right. you know. But the, the thing is, is, like, these things, including the Warhammer 40K including V for Vendetta, by the way, aren't seen so much as as warnings or uh, satire or overwrought language except for by their creators and then by you 40 years later, 30 yeah. years later, yeah. you know? I, you know, which, I think... Which I wonder if, if, you know, you hear all the time satire is dead. I'm going, I'm going to put on my English hat for a moment. Oh, go for it. And I'm, and I'm going to say that I, I think... I think our perception of mm-hmm. that phenomenon mm-hmm. is kind of an Americanism. Okay, fair. Because as the, the, yeah. the English, the English would very happily point out, that <laughs> Americans don't understand irony. <laughs> True. And and so they wouldn't be wrong. They would they wouldn't be wrong. I, but when I people do things ironically here, they end up buying into it. Yeah, it, you yeah. Know? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, yeah, you know, we don't. We yeah, as as a culture, irony is just something that like I don't know if it has to do with the frontier in our history or what I think there is something to that because you know. I, I remember reading about how uh, people who read the Bible in America in the eighteen hundreds took it literally. Yeah. And if you went back two hundred years earlier, 
their predecessors, the, the all the way down to the, the staunchest. Puritan. Yeah, they would have been like, take it literally. What are you kidding me? This what? is a metaphor. Are you like, what's nuts? Wrong? Yeah, are like, you crazy? Like where, where? When did you forget how to how to interpret right. poetic language? Which is what, funny because like you have democratization of a text. Yeah, and you you and, forget and to bring along critical lose, thought. Yeah, you forget, <laughs> to, bring, you forget to bring along. They decoded it. In, in, <laughs> in, intellectual. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Critical thought. Yeah. I, I was going to try to go a different direction, but that's basically what it is. Yeah. You know, and and the thing is, um, so I'm I mean, sorry. It's, yeah, it's but wicked satire, but, but, 40k, yeah. and and well, within within Britain, mm-hmm. plenty of guys who picked the game up mm-hmm. looked at it and went, "Oh, ha, this is this is awesome." Oh wow, you know? okay. And they and they and they got a kick out of it, and they saw that it was sure. a a you know it was it was taking what they saw going on around them and blowing it completely out of proportion and right. turning it into, and then taking in this pastiche of Dune and mm-hmm. Michael Moorcock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, and and all these other. I mean, it's 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 a complete pastiche. I mean, if, okay. you, if you if you dissect the lore of, of the beginning of Warhammer 40k, it is it is a Frankenstein's monster of a whole bunch of other pieces cobbled together okay. into its own papier mache kind of thing. <laughs> and and it was one of the things that was wonderful about it at the time mm-hmm. as as an American twelve year old, thirteen year old, the first time I saw the game. Uh, was it was completely different from anything we had going on over here. Okay. Um, I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna be talking about BattleTech in another episode, and, sure. and BattleTech is another situation where you have a, a, a setting that is many centuries. It's not nearly as far forward in the future, but it's many centuries right. ahead in the future, and it's also an interstellar empire feudalist mm-hmm. society kind of thing. But it's got a lot of Buck Rogers whiz bang. Okay. In it, and Warhammer 40k does not have that. You know. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. And yeah, no you good know, guys are in this. There, there really aren't. Yeah. And 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 you know and, and that was and that was part of the point when the game came out was no seriously look this is an utterly grim completely over the top like even if you are the good guy you're really not a good guy you're a fascist overlord. Uh-huh. You know um, the 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 iconic uh, intellectual property of the whole thing are the Space Marines and their inducted into their orders at the age of 12 mm-hmm. and you know pumped full of you know hormones and artificial right. organs and hypno taught until they are effectively not human they're post-human you know they don't they sure. don't have the same outlook on anything as normal humans do and and you know that is the these are the champions of the imperium right you know okay and and like those are quote unquote the good guys mm-hmm. you know and and, and 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 it was it was everybody who read the book. If if you were reading the book, the assumption by the authors was you were in on the joke. Interesting. Okay. You know, like I pointed out, yeah. you know, the, the alien races were all, you know, kind of cobbled from different places. Sure. And like they they took the orcs and God bless I want to say it was Andy Chambers. God bless Andy Chambers. I'm <laughs> a huge Andy Chambers fanboy. I believe, I could be wrong, could have been another another one of the writers, but mm-hmm. but Andy Chambers took the orcs and he turned them into this uh, totally unpredictable on the tabletop. You never knew really 100% what your army was going to do on a given turn. Like you roll, like, like it's having a war elephant. You roll yeah, a d6 yeah, and yeah. it might go yeah, running it might, through your might, guys. Yeah, you know, you, certain certain units you'd have to roll a die mm-hmm. and depending on, depending on the result you got, you checked a table and it's uh-huh. like, no, they're all busy fighting over who's actually in charge this turn. And then you got to roll another die to see if, like, you have to take a couple of models out because they've actually killed each other. 
you know, they're psychics. You had to roll every turn to see what powers they got, whereas okay. nobody else had to do that in that edition of sure. the game. And um, you know, the biggest, the biggest, most powerful power that that a, an orc psychic had potentially could literally blow his own head off. Okay, because you know. So it's atomic bombs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's it's it it was it was this crazy, goofy. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it was grim, dark. It it had these elements that were completely it was absurd. goofy, absurd. Yeah. yeah, absurd is the perfect word. And so the assumption was, if you were reading the rule book or you sure. were reading White Dwarf magazine and reading whatever the new, you know, addition to the game was. Uh-huh. Um, when they talked about everything, these stentorian tones of how dark and grim everything was, you understood that they were writing kind of half in universe, and and that that was the that, that was the joke. Mm. Or you were reading an article where it was like, no, this whole thing is a complete joke, and just you know laugh your ass off, have sure. fun with it. And th- this is where I've got to admit mm-hmm. that I haven't picked up my 40k models in a while. I have not done anything really significant with my 40K models Mm -hmm. since beginning of 2017. And here's the reason. The internet has ruined everything. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Hey, time. Back back it up. Okay. You're a father, too. Yeah. When was your boy born? Um, January of this year. January 3rd, Okay, so this predates, this predates you having this predates, an excuse. This predates me not having any free time. This, right. This is, okay. I just I wanted to make yeah. sure that that's clear. No, this, this, we this, have friends who are like, now that he's had kids, there will be no there more will gaming. Be no, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's largely been true. But um, no, this, this, this predates that. Uh-huh. This, this coincides with the most recent presidential election. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because... I'm old enough mm-hmm. to remember when this game was brand new and it was this thing that was completely different from anything else that was out there mm-hmm. and it was this gigantic black horrible dark joke. Right. And it was this is so terribly grim and oh my god you have to point and laugh at this. Right. And we introduced, you know, the four chaos gods sure. and and there there are bits in all of their descriptions that are, you know, digs at, you know, political figures and there's digs at, you know, things out of history and all this kind of stuff uh-huh. and 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 you know, I remember when it was clear, mm-hmm. nudge, nudge, hey, you're in on the joke. Right. And over time, 40K has organically grown its own lore, uh-huh. which is a wonderful thing. And yeah. I'm, I'm a crack addict for it. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I haven't played the game in a while, you know, I get sucked into reading about it sure. all the time. Um, and, and you know, it, it grew and it and expanded and things changed. And there are whole discussion boards on places online with guys my age, paleo gamers, mm-hmm. who talk <laughs> about, okay, wait, there was a retcon. Was that really a retcon? Or is that just the story that the Imperium is telling now? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like we, you, yeah. can, you, can, you, can, you can analyze it and treat it as this big metacognitive conspiracy theory. Uh-huh. And it's amazing. And I love that. The problem is... Mm, I think I see it. Um... As you pointed out, mm-hmm. when I had you read that passage mm-hmm. from the opening of the book, mm-hmm. you know, the universe is vast and whatever happens, you will not be missed. Right. What you pointed out was that uh, to somebody on the right end of the spectrum, this can be kind of a confirming statement. Right. And as we talked about Poe's law mm-hmm. being a thing, there are a lot of guys who are. 10 years younger than me, mm-hmm. half my age, who never got the joke. 
And yeah. they grew up seeing, man, the Imperium is badass, and the Space Marines are the biggest badasses in the world, and it's humanity against everybody else, and it's this, you know. Right. And, and the Grimdark isn't a joke. The Grimdark is, no, man, that's what makes it awesome, is it's just, like, so bleak and, you know, whatever all. And they're coming at it from this direction that, that you know, one, one, of the, one of the things I hate the alt-right for most, and this is terribly petty and awful, because <laughs> there are so many, there are so many reasons to hate them. It's a distant second to the horrible. It's a distant second to all okay. the, to all the horrible. But I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, on a on a you know petty shit, you yeah. know, murder murder arson and jaywalking kind of kind of level of, of what I hate them <laughs> for. Um, to to steal from TV tropes yet again, which I'm going to uh-huh. do all the time. But um, is um, the alt right infiltrated and stole? Oh yeah, segments out of my most beloved science fiction universe from my childhood. And I started having to see assholes post memes of God Emperor Trump. Oh. And then and then I had to see not admins, as being not as being not, in on not, the joke. Not, not as being in on the joke, right. but being like, no man, he's he's the emperor. In that in that tongue in cheek Kekistan bullshit. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm just trolling you. No, I'm not really just yeah. trolling you. I'm like, trolling you because I'm, you're not laughing. Yeah, haha, yeah. haha, ha, ha, just serious. Right. Infuriating oh, yeah. fucking twelve year old mm-hmm. sorry for the swear, but I can't stop myself. Kind of way. And and they they, they didn't get it. Right. They never got it, and they didn't right. care to get it. And if anybody points it out to them, they're going to be like, "Well, you're pansy, cuck, card, whatever, fuck you, yeah. yeah, cuck," you know. And and I can't hang out in 40k oh. communities online anymore because you never know when somebody you've been talking to about you know the fluff of the Space Wolves chapter of you uh-huh. know, Imperial Space Marines is going to you know come out you know making some remark about you know runes and you know the purity of the Aryan heritage oh, wow. of Nordic people I'm like fuck off right you know and and like you you felt disenfranchised as a young geek because you were a young geek yeah they feel disenfranchised as and 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 that's not that's not okay really i mean ultimately but and they felt disenfranchised as a young racist geek because they were young geeks but the reason why it's okay to disenfranchise them is because they're racist. Because they're assholes. Right. Like because that's, they're just bad fucking people. Right. But they seem you know, to think that yeah. one thing equals the other and, and they don't. Well, So here's, here's uh, an interesting conundrum going on in my head about that then yeah. is... I like tabling those assholes when I play the game. I'm just going to say, if I find out somebody's like that, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to take the characterful, really fun army that I had planned, and uh-huh. I'm just going to pack it full of all the cheese spam. <laughs> like, just, I'm going to murder everything off the table just to watch you cry. Okay. you know, so I admit to that pettiness. But sure. anyway, what, what you were going to say? Well, just, um, I, I've run into this with the Star Wars fandom. Yeah. Like, they're assholes. <laughs> Like a lot of them are toxic assholes, and it's so now. I've, I've, I've just, as, as a Star Wars, as, yeah. as a fellow Star Wars fan, yeah. like yeah, I just water is wet. My, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then I find I come to find out actually that Russian trolls had something to had, do with had that. Something to do with and it. And I'm like, well, okay, but they still ruined it because what you pretended to be, it allowed them to be. Yeah. And instead of being a story of the downtrodden overcoming an oppressive regime, 
it, it became everybody turned into Kylo Ren. I yeah. mean, that's the beauty yeah. of Kylo Ren is that he yeah. is the new Star Wars fan, and he yeah. is his own biggest enemy. Oh yeah. Well, um, you know, so Disney, Disney pointing at all the fans, going, "This is you." Right, and Disney yeah. being right. I mean, yeah. what kind of world am <laughs> like I living what kind in? Of universe are we living but, in? But yeah. so, so I guess my question is like, at at what point do you just say, "Okay, it's evolved past my liking it, and I no longer like." this or do you just sit there what? and say well this was the period that i liked and like i've got all my eu books upstairs oh yeah and, yeah, and we've talked about this right and like, and you know. it's like i nothing will take away my love for those books there are some oh. that are dog shit but, but, but yeah, nothing well, will know, take away my love for those books crap but the other 10 yeah. percent is worth fighting oh for my it. god but so nothing will take away my love for those books yeah. but also those books are no longer relevant to my existence within the fandom it's a weird thing. Yeah. And so I have to just kind of like, it's almost like you get divorced. Kind of. You know? And it's like, oh, okay, we, we had this. Yeah. What? it? It's a Roxette song. It must have been Geeks, <laughs> but it's over but now. it's over now. Yeah. <laughs> and I lost I like it that. somehow. I like that. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, it, do you feel like that or do you want to like institute a purity test I, on these oh, guys? Oh, no. Okay. Purity, the thing is, I'm, I'm against any kind of gatekeeping, like full stop, period. Now, the thing is, the moment somebody opens their mouth mm-hmm. and spouts alt-right, racist, mm-hmm. you know, white nationalist, whatever bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that point, no, I'm sorry, fuck off. You don't mind gatekeeping I, I, against I don't, that. At, the, at that point, because yeah. that's not me setting up a gate and saying, you know, what do you really, you know, that's... Prove that's, your worth. Yeah, that's, that's them coming into a communal area and, like, shitting all over everything, at which point, right. like... Okay, look. Here's your got, hat. Here's your coat. Yeah, here's, you your, here's your here's your hat. Here's your coat. Now we got to clean up the upholstery. GTFO. Yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm fine with anybody doing that. Okay. I'm fine with participating in groups where the admins have decided. Okay, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Whatever you think outside of the forum is what you think outside of the forum. But all this. Any any kind of real world political bullshit mm-hmm. needs to stay outside. Okay, I'm okay with that. Okay, I can I can I think, you know, I mean, in in, in any kind of personal relationship, I think that's a cowardly way to take things. But we're talking but, online, but, but I'm talking sharing about online, paint communities. Yeah, talking yeah. talking about talking about you yeah. know model painting and hobby crap. Okay. Like okay, fine, all right. And let's be real, people who are into model painting and hobby crap tend to skew one way very often. A lot or of the or well, a larger section. Or I'll I, say I, I a think, larger proportion a does. A certain, yeah. Because a, a, yeah. a, they're creating and regulating yeah. their own world. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And yeah. so there's, there's, there may be over representation there. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know. Okay. So that's, that's, and, and my own, my own way of dealing with it kind of has been. Um, I haven't bought anything, mm-hmm. which my wife will tell you is like good. Like, are you a pod person? I mean, yes, it's oh, really? good, but <laughs> like, you haven't you haven't bought any models in like months. Oh wow! I've I've also um, I I have started paying a lot more attention to other other things from that period of my youth. BattleTech. I've talked about how excited sure. I am about okay. that. And then when I'm looking at 40K, there's a combination of like you're talking about, this is the period of time that I remember that I really like that I'm going to, you know, concentrate on and reread over and over again. Uh-huh. And one of the wonderful things about the way 40K was originally written uh-huh. was there was this infinite amount of room for you as a player to go completely bananas and do whatever you wanted to. Okay. And I have 
written and rewritten the history of my chapter of Space Marines at least four times. So it's, it, it's become similar to D&D. If you don't like these aspects, you yeah, just play you focus on over here. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, don't like Forgotten and, Realms? Forget the Realms. Yeah, yeah. you know, play okay. Grim, play Greyhawk, whatever. Yeah. You know, create your own world. Right. Um, and, and so I've, I've kind of responded by fanficking, basically. Okay. It's kind of what I've done, you know. Sure. And, um, you know, and, and then um, I, I still love what it is that they created, and I still get a huge kick out of aspects of the universe. And okay. there are still things that Games Workshop and the Black Library, which is their their book publishing arm, their mm-hmm. their novel and fiction publishing arm, mm-hmm. are putting out that I'm I'm a big fan of. So, you know, I'm focusing more on, on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like um, I highly recommend because I think you'd get a kick out of them. You don't really need to know too much about the setting. If you look for Caiaphas Kane, Hero of the Imperium. Okay. It is a novel series about a commissar. Commissars are the officers in the Imperial Guard who are supposed to shoot soldiers who turn around and run away. That's basically their job. They're sure. political officers for the Imperial Guard. Sure. And Kane is a complete coward. The books are all written in first person, and from uh-huh. the very beginning, he says, I graduated from commissar school, and I decided I wanted to go to a field artillery unit because that would keep me as far away from the action as I could get. Sure. And then he repeatedly winds up falling into these positions where he winds up having to be the hero of the Imperium. And the whole time, as he's it's like it's his memoirs years mm-hmm. later, and the whole time he's saying, oh, you know, I was turning around to get the hell out of there, but I had to give them a convincing speech about, you know, well, you know, you all stay here, stay safe in numbers. I'm going to go take the dangerous job of going to try to find help and bring them back. Right. You know. And, and he goes and does that and runs into an ambush and, you know, winds up, you know, saving the whole unit somehow. Sure. And, you know, and he just yeah. keeps getting laurel after laurel dropped in his lap <laughs> when everything he's been doing has been self-centered. And, and you know, uh-huh. and it's, 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 I love it so because he, the author mm-hmm. is in on the joke again. Okay. You know, it's, yeah. it is, it is, this was written originally as a satire. Mm-hmm. And it's grown and morphed, and now I'm satirizing the satire. Okay. You know, yeah. and and yeah, so I highly recommend it. And so that's that's part of my coping with that with this sure. with this thing that I love. So cool. So you know, now we're we're in you know a post Reaganite, post Thatcherite mm-hmm. kind of kind of world, and it's interesting to me. You know, when we started talking about doing this series this yeah. this was like the very first idea that really yeah like, it jumped like, right out like, of you. like like jumped jumped out at me um i mean partly because i i have loved this setting since i was 12 sure um you know because nothing nothing i'd seen up to that point was anything like it mm-hmm. um that level of tongue in cheek biting kind of humor and sarcasm mm-hmm. baked into something like this right you know, this is also the time period of, you know, again, Buck Rogers in the 25th century, which mm-hmm. is totally different. And, and American science fiction at the time was not anything like this. And, you know, we've we've now kind of gotten to this place, like I'm talking about with what's happened with the online culture around the hobby. We've gotten to this place where things have kind of come full circle. Mm-hmm. And, and Poe's Law, unfortunately, has been in effect the entire time. <laughs> but to look back... And and really see again mm-hmm. 
where the roots of of this were and and what what it was going on in Britain at the time all of this was happening that really had these guys angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly anger is clearly there and scared mm-hmm. and responding with it in this very British working class artist. snarky yeah. artist kind of kind of humor. Sure. I think is really affirming yeah, in a way in, in the world in the world that we're in right now with all of the stuff that we that we got going on mm-hmm. with all of the you know daily horror show coming out of Washington DC coming out of Europe mm-hmm. with you know every time there's even a marginal victory against you know white nationalist you know identitarian right wingers we're like oh thank god they didn't fuck it up we're right just, you know in this in this kind of world where it feels like there are a lot of people who are scared and angry and want to push things backwards. Mm -hmm. It was really empowering to me to look back at this time where these guys and, and the guys who were writing judge dread and all Blake seven and all this other, you know, bleak, cynical, dark kind of science fiction they were doing back then to see that they took that and turned it into these, these works of art. And in 40 K's case, this work of humor Mm -hmm. and satire poking fun at things and, you know, finding a way to make all of that work um, and turn it into something that's grown and, and become its own thing and all this has was was really powerful sure. for me. It was was very yeah. affirming, was was almost healing. So is there so, an 80K coming out of this? That you, you know, can, like I, what, what, what's next? What do we what do we see next? Like, you know, I don't know. Each reaction is a yeah. snapshot in its own time. Yeah. I, I I think what I what I would like to see mm-hmm. coming out of the time we're living in is mm-hmm. is because I'm an American, I'm gonna say I don't really wanna see the biting snark. I kinda wanna see whiz bang, yeah. utopian. I want I wanna see somebody write a science fiction story that isn't Grimdark because when when 40k came out, Grimdark yeah. was new. Grimdark was like nobody'd done it before. Uh-huh. And now it's almost become old hat. Right. And I want to see somebody go back and go, no, you know what? I'm going to pick up some Asimov. I'm going to pick up... Um, Gene Roddenberry, to be Rodden- honest. Roddenberry. Well, know? yeah, Roddenberry is kind of the king yeah. of utopian. But, you know, um, Robert Silverberg, uh, you know, and Heinlein, mm-hmm. who, you know, has his problems. But, you know, it's, it's, it's we're going to use science and technology and rational thought and we're going to solve these problems and we're going to go out into the galaxy and we're going to make everything better. So like And I want to see something done like that that mm-hmm. doesn't have its tongue in its cheek, isn't making fun of that. Right. You know, something like Deep Space Nine. Kind of. Where there's where yeah. there is a thread of optimism no yeah. matter how dark no, it no got. No matter how grim it got, there was a thread of these are Good people being forced to make difficult decisions to try to make the world a better place and try to do the right thing. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking of um, as far as sci-fi goes. Like very often, sci-fi is this is where we could end up if we are not careful. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you're saying is this is where we could end up if we are good. If we if we if, if we, we are figure careful. this out, yeah. If we figure this out, we're good people. Mm-hmm. We can get here. I want to see aspirational science fiction again. That sounds fun because that's where it started out. That'd be good. I'd like to go back to. All right. So, mm-hmm. you know, having said that, sure. what, what, what's your, as, as the one who have been spouting all this stuff at, what, what is your biggest takeaway 
from this? What, what did you learn? What, what are you going to carry with you most? Um, you know, as an historian, uh, I, I, I always come back to, you know, and, and as a classicist, I always yeah. come back to a, a type of literature whatever it may be whether mm-hmm. it's television i consider it literature well, it is. whether it's uh television or the written, written word written or poetry or whatever it is still a snapshot in time yeah so anything that's trying to do that later is derivative and yeah. i don't mind derivative but anything that's trying to do that later is not being authentic in its own time okay Unless you count nostalgia as being an authentic thing, in which case that can be, and that's really bleak if nostalgia <laughs> is the authenticity. Yeah. So I see, I, I see this as a very British, very of its time, 1980s, basically late 70s, early 80s, response to a threat that had grown into scenery. A reaction, an evolution of one one political sway. Okay. To one that fact, yeah, yeah, like they stopped being like, "Oh my God, we need to save ourselves." How do we save ourselves from the threat? To, you know, we've been living with this threat for a while. It's it's okay now. How are we going to win? Yeah. And i i see I see it very much as as that. Um, and you know, I, I try not to to see everything as that because it's it's so minimizing. Like, oh, yeah. well, that's just what the '80s thought, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it is sometimes it's inescapable. Yeah, and it very much is, you know, an '80s reaction, a British '80s reaction. It it also it's funny. The visual that I've got in my head is that we're talking about a Britain that was still burning a shit ton of coal. Yeah. And all of that grit getting in the air couldn't mm-hmm. help but work its way into the literature. Oh well, and if you look at the if the artwork, uh-huh. it's, it's everywhere too. All yeah. of all of the all of the inking, right? In in all of it has smeary. these deep, deep smeary recesses. Right, I like that, I like that adjective smeary. Deep, you know, yeah. like everything is soot covered, everything is soot stained. Look to it, even mm-hmm. if it's not soot, it's just you know the way things are drawn. Yeah, but then you look at there's a whole there's a whole tumbler. Fuck yeah, Road Trader. It's, it's all the artwork from that, and that's like that's oh my god, it's catnip. And you look, you look at Star Wars from the seventies and eighties, and it's a dirty universe. Mm-hmm. You look at Star Trek from the late eighties; regulations start kicking in, mm-hmm. and it's a lot cleaner. Your your primary oh, it's colors, immaculate. right? Like, um, like you your primary colors are yeah in the, on the Enterprise. So it's it's um, the visual I get is that like oh okay, that's from our dirty past. Um, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and of course they thought that our future would be that dirty because it's yeah. always been that dirty. Yeah. Why wouldn't it you yeah. know, stop well, being was, that dirty? Was, yeah. And that's, that's the, the time during which Britain was talking about going to nuclear power. Right. And there was a huge. And as like, a good thing. Fight. Well, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So now that we have figured out that solar can work and that wind mm-hmm. can work and maybe someday we'll get there. You know, like the halcyon days of the 1970s when Jimmy Carter put them on the White House. Yeah. Um, there's a wonderful picture I've seen of Ronald Reagan with like a, a sledgehammer, and really? Lee Iacocca is behind him, and they're on the roof. Boy, it's amazing! It's amazing things. that you mentioned Lee Iacocca because I was yeah. just doing research on him for the BattleTech episode. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, what I get from that is that um, grittiness is gritty, uh, yeah, and, and that. Um, 
kind grittiness, of pathologically. Yeah, grittiness is what happens when you let the fascists win, though. Wow, that got deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, it really so. is actually. You know, and if you look at, if you go back to science fiction in the thirties. Mm-hmm. 20s late 20s and 30s Very dirty. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of that there mm-hmm. even so, yeah, even the stuff it's where it's cycle. you know like sky captain of america type stuff oh yeah it's um it's it's you're up higher because it's polluted down there yeah you know oh, so yeah. cool oh, that works well thank you that was that was fun and instructive in a, in a world that i knew nothing about like i awesome I, yeah so cool. thank you for that yeah. on our way out we would just like to point out that we now have a twitter uh, yep. So it's at Geek History Time, uh, and if you want to follow that, please do. Uh, right now, I think we're the only Even ones following it. If you don't it. want to, please yeah, do. Please do. Please. Uh, Ed, do you please, have uh, uh, a Twitter? Um, I do. Um, let me look up what it is. <laughs> While you're looking that up, you know, uh, because we're pulling back. Because I don't ever the, tweet yeah. at myself. Uh, just, you know. I uh, my Twitter is at Duh Harmony. Uh, D U H Harmony. Um, and you can find me there uh, yelling at the president quite often, um, <laughs> as well as uh, sharing all kinds of weird geeky stuff. All right. Mine um, is at E.H. Blaylock, and um, mine has a lot more cat stuff on it than uh, Damien's does. You're and more optimistic I, than I am. I don't. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if I'm more optimistic or I just cocoon better. But uh, I, I don't yell directly at the president as much as Damien does, but I occasionally respond to people who are yelling on the president's <laughs> behalf. So check it out. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, roll them 20s, 20 side up. There you go.